Uh, Our passage today is out of John chapter 15, uh, beginning at verse 1. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. They gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. I'm going to start a garden, announced Mr. Smith at the checkout in the grocery store. He's a little upset at the prices. A few months from now, I won't be complaining about these high prices. No, said the grocer, you'll be wondering how in the world I charge so, so little for these vegetables. See, bearing fruit takes effort. We got gardeners in here? So, does, is, does it take a little bit of effort to, to, to grow fruit in your garden? You mean this doesn't happen by osmosis? You don't like throw a seed on the ground and suddenly, there it is, right, Sean? It's a limb. Pumpkins. <laughs> Any gardener, even those who really do enjoy being out there and it's relaxing for them, will tell you that if you're going to bear fruit, if you... Uh, are going to have healthy, abundant fruits and vegetables, you're going to have to be in the garden. You're going to have to get out there, and you're going to have to put in the work. You have to prune back unhealthy growth. You have to trim off some stuff in order for the nutrients to get to the place that you want them to be instead of to the places you don't want them to be. You have to bring in fertilizer and food that help the plants to grow as healthy as they can. But when the gardener does all of those things, then the harvest is plentiful. And this parable from Jesus in John 15 reminds us that we have the best gardener of them all. And he's willing to put in the work to help us become who God, who God created us to be, who he would have us to be. And our role in that is this weird, funky little word, abide. Not a common word in my, I don't use that word a whole lot. But what it means is to act in accord with to submit to or agree to, or most of all in the context for this morning, to remain steadfast or faithful to, to abide in. And when we act in accordance with God's will for our life, submitting our will to his and remaining steadfast and faithful to him, then we grow into the healthy men and women of God that, that, that we are called to be. Contrary to that, if we choose to reject God in this lifetime, as the parable also tells us, and we find ourselves rejected by God in the end, bearing none of the fruit that he would have for us to bear and ending up separated from him for all time, which is a scary thing. On Sunday evenings, we're doing a, a series in our small group. It's, it's from Francis Chan. It's a series called Basic. A couple of weeks ago, we had a, a great discussion on the fear of the Lord, And the fact that for unbelievers and for us before coming to faith, this fearing God idea is really is about fearing God, is being afraid of 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 God and what He's what He can do. He's all powerful. 
And it's also, though, the beginning of wisdom for us, because out of that fear, oftentimes it draws us to go, okay, is there another option? And thankfully, there is in Christ. There is another option. Because once we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then that, that being afraid of changes into reverence and changes into awe at who God is and how much he loves us and the depth and the height and the breadth and the width of God's love for us and how overwhelming that is that he would send his only son to die for us because he loves us. He loves you right where you are and too much to leave you there. It's going to provide challenges to grow nearer to him in our lives. See, God wants us to grow into him and not to be withered branches and chaff. That's why he provides us with the opportunity to say yes. Who would not say yes to this God that loves us? But some will say no to him and be separated and cast away. That's very sad, but that's also why our story is so important. It's why your story is so important because God uses our story in the lives of those around us to draw them near to him. And he wants to do that in your life and in my life to draw people nearer to him. He doesn't want to lose anybody. He wants all to be saved and all to know the the saving power of Christ. So you and I have a very important role to play. A very important role to play, to share this faith, to bear fruit. And for the next five weeks, we're going to look at different ways that we as individuals, and especially as a congregation, can bear fruit in our lives. Congregations that bear fruit offer a gracious invitation. They're very welcoming. Any of you all notice that around here? How do we do on that? Great. Great. Did somebody not get a hug from Robert this morning? <laughs> Robert didn't get a hug from Robert this morning. Well, that, that's your own fault. <laughs> and we have such a, 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 a group of welcoming and, and compassionate folks here. And, and the, the, but there's more to just saying hi. It's a sense of belonging. That's what we're, a sense of belonging in this place we belong. Romans tells us we belong to one another. And I hope that in this place you experience that. We want that. We want folks to come and to experience that sense of belonging and belonging to God as God's people. God shapes souls and changes mind through, through worship, creating a desire to grow closer to Christ. You see more and more as the worship team brings scripture into the morning, into the leading of worship as as, as they speak to the heart of worship. It's not just about the song, it's about the message and what God is going to do through that worship in this place. It's about intentional faith development, about God's spirit nurturing people and, and grow and maturing them through learning and community. It's why we have growth groups or small groups here that meet. We have Sunday school and other small groups. And as we mature, then we want to engage in service and, and, and mission in our community. We want to be that movement in community that the church started out as. And in order to do that, God gives people this inspiration to give so that the grace that we have received, we can share with others. And we're going to talk about each of those in the next five weeks. But let me get back to the rest of our passage for this morning. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Now, I didn't count how many times he says love in there, but I think it's pretty clear what he's asking of us. Amen? To love one another. It didn't say like. It doesn't say any of that. It says love one another. And this cross, that the cross reminds us of this love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. That's the, that's the vertical beam is, is a reminder that we are to love God. But God didn't just stop with, hey, it's all about me, did he? Because he also spread his arms wide and died for us to remind us that he also wants us to love one another. And whenever we see the cross, it can be that reminder I'm to love the Lord my God and I'm to love all people where they are and as they are. Meet them there, trusting that God is the mover of the heart. Because he is and he will. Vibrant growing congregations don't stop at just being friendly. They don't stop at helpful service and mission or prudent generosity. They go beyond that. Their practices are extraordinary. They want people to experience, wow, one of my goals, and, and I hope your goals, is that when folks come in here, when, when, whatever it is, whether it's to an Axe dinner or an Ash Wednesday service or a Sunday morning or a youth group that, or, or children's ministry, whatever it is, that they come in and go, wow, that was more than I expected. You know, wow isn't always this overwhelming thing. It's just, wow, that, that was really done well. That was done with excellence. That was honoring to God. We want folks to have that wow experience. Not necessarily the over-the-top wow. But wow, that was special. There was something about that that was beyond the norm. And we see that at the door. We see that in a lot of what we do. But we need to examine that and make sure that that's what, that we're going beyond just you know, friendly and helpful. We want radical, passionate, intentional, risk-taking, extravagant. That's what we're after. We're not looking for a balanced Christian life. Did you know that, let me tell you a secret, there's no such thing as a balanced Christian life. (laughs) Jesus went all in for you. You got it. Some of of y'all are Clemson fans. Jesus went all in for you, right? And, and that's what he's, this all in, this, con, this concept of all in is what he's asking of us. We don't try to, well, I'll bring Jesus into this part of my life, but you can't get into this part of my life. I got news for you, even if you're trying to keep him out, he's already there. But, but, we, try, but we try to keep him out of aspects of our life. No, that's not what it's about to be a Christian. We invite him in. We don't just, just you know, come on in. Come on in, Jesus 
All of my life. Every aspect. Everything that I do. Be a part of that. Lift me. Carry me to new places because you're more than I can imagine. You want more for me than I can imagine. Let, help me to live that abundance, that abundant life. We're to abide. That weird little word. We're to abide in the love of Christ. It means to hang out there, to live there, be faithful to that. And that's not balance. That's commitment. That's all in for Jesus. But Jesus is all in for you. I, I love that, that verse 14 is in here. Did you catch it? Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. And in this passage, did you catch also that you're not, no longer a servant? He called you Friend. And Jesus laid down his life for you, his friend. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for his friends. That's an all-in, that's probably the ultimate all-in statement. Jesus is all-in for you. He is all-in for you. It's a radical, passionate, intentional, risk-taking, and extravagant love statement. It's what we're called to as followers of Jesus and as individuals, but also as a congregation where we belong to one another. Effective congregations, those that are making a difference, they adapt, they examine, they look. What are we doing? What, what do we add? What do we take, take away? What is it? How do we honor God in this place? And we look at all of that. Our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. So how do we go about doing that in a way that, 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 that is what God would call each of us to in this place? And so we're going to look at that in the next five weeks. We're going to look at uh, radical hospitality, passionate worship and what that looks like, intentional faith development. And you'll hear about this fall when we're launching a core curriculum piece for, for, for Arbor Point Church because we want to be intentional about faith development here. Risk-taking mission and service and extravagant generosity. Those five areas are what we're going to look at over the next five weeks and, the, and how they impact us as a church so that we can become all that God would have us to be as Arbor Point Church. It's be you for him, but it's, bigger, it's be us for him, I guess. All of us together. And I want to close with this. In verse 1, Jesus says something that's really Powerful and easy to miss. I missed it for a long time. So he says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. And that metaphor may seem strange to those of us in this current age. Uh, for a long time, I thought Jesus was just using a vine as an illustration, right? I imagine Jesus walking through the vineyard thinking to him, say, hey, I could use this and tell my story, tell a story to my disciples and get this point across. And the... And it is an illustration, but it's way more than that for, for the Israelites. He's not just using the vine to illustrate his teaching. He chose the vine to say something controversial and outrageous. And I missed this for a long time. Did you notice the scandal of verse 1? Because it really is a scandal. Jesus didn't say, I am like a vine. He's not comparing himself to a vine. He is the vine. Similarly, he didn't say, I am a vine, as though there were a lot of vines and he's just one of them. He says, I am the vine, the one and only vine. But it, then it goes, it's actually beyond that because so he says, I am the true 
vine. But what does that mean? To be the true vine. How can a vine be true? But the word true is the whole point here. Because those who heard Jesus back then would have known exactly what he meant. Jesus was radical. He was talking about the people of Israel. Throughout the Old Testament, the grapevine was a symbol for them that, that, to describe them. In Psalm 80, verses 8 and 9, it says, You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. Israel was the vine that God had planted. And here comes Jesus. Says, you think that you're the vine, but let me tell you the true vine. It's me. And because of that, it changed the world. It allows us to be grafted in, to be heirs according to the promise that was made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob because Jesus is the true vine. So as we consider these five practices, I hope that we consider how challenging and radical Christ himself was. And are we living that out? Or are we not? And if we're not, how can we?